The reading is taken from Daniel chapter 7, verses 1 to 15, 14. Sorry. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream, and visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven, churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet, like a human being, and the mind of a human was given to it. And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. After that I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard. And on its back it had four wings, like those of a bird. This beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. After that in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, And it had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a human being, and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch. Because of the boastful words the horn was speaking, I kept looking until the beast was slain and the body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed.
thank you very much, Penny, for reading to us. I have got one unfinished bit of business. I have a commission that I've failed to do as far as the notices, notices are concerned, in that um, I think we have a photograph of uh, a member of the church family who was sighted in the village this week. Molly Buckle, um, and I was privileged to have five minutes with her to take her photograph and to, to, to therefore send her greetings to the congregation here. It reminds me to say that um, I have probably not greeted the uh, folk that are participating by Zoom today, but it is lovely to have people week by week um, involved in the life of the church at a distance, and uh, we're very glad to have you with us by Zoom today. I guess Molly is there as well. Molly reminded me of how valued that particular service that uh, the filming and the sound technicians and others are, are doing week by week is to her and to those that are, are participating in that way. So remember, Molly, uh, greetings to you, Molly, and others this morning. But let's turn that photograph off and pray uh, if we can do that and ask for God to speak to us. Remembering what we've sung in that hymn this morning, I give thee back the life I owe, that in thine ocean depths its flow may richer, fuller be. And we want in principle, before we look afresh at your word, Father, to give back what is rightfully yours to you, our lives, and pray that you would be gracious as we do that, as we heed your word this morning, to make them richer and fuller, uh, more yielded to you and more blessed by you. And this we ask, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you, Penny, for reading Daniel chapter 7, verses 1 to 14 to us there on the uh, sheet, those verses. I suppose I have to acknowledge that these verses are less well-known than the passages we've looked at hitherto, the fiery furnace, uh, the writing on the wall, the lion's den, those things that we've had in the first six chapters of Daniel. But I hope to convince you that our vision in Daniel chapter 7 is a good fit for Remembrance Day. And I want to think about it under two headings that I think go together, the destruction of the beast and the enthronement of the man, capital M. Uh, the destruction of the beast is the theme of the first part of that reading, the first 12 verses. Um, actually, we are, if you've held on to the chronology of the book as a whole, we're starting a little earlier than the events of the last chapter. If you look with me at verse 1, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. So this predates the lion's den. Here's the dream, verse 2. Daniel said, in my vision at night I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the other, came up out of the sea. And I suppose the idea of nightmarish beasts is one we're reasonably familiar with in literature. My day, I grew up in the, uh, on, the, on the heart of the Baskervilles, 
with uh, extraordinary descriptions there. Fire burst from its open mouth, its eyes glowed with a smoldering glare, its muzzle and hackles were outlined in flickering flame, wrote Conan Doyle. Never could anything more savage, more appalling, more hellish be conceived. Until you get the Dementors of Azkaban in the Harry Potter series 50 years later on. Or the hostile mobs, I'm told, the ghasts, and the cave spiders, and the zombified piglins from the depths of the nether in Minecraft, 25 years after the first Harry Potter stuff started. If you're wondering about those ghasts, I'm told their eyes flash red and they launch a fireball that deals tremendous damage and can shred a player's surroundings. Many Minecraft players that survive the initial blast, I'm told, will die away anyway by falling through the newly created hole in the netherrack into the lava ocean below. If you're tempted to laugh, don't, because the graphics would have us quaking if we'd actually played it, I'm, I'm reliably informed. Well, travel back 2,500 years to the nightmarish beasts of Daniel chapter 7. A lion, but with eagle's wings, so that it can be fast and rapacious, even more so. A bear... But this is a million miles away from Paddington Bear. This bear's got ribs from his last victim in his mouth. And he's coming back for more. Kill and eat, that sort of line. Then an apocalyptic leopard, like one you've never seen before. Four heads and wings ready to attack in any and every direction. Then one more. Penny read this bit so well. A fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. And not content with three horns like the triceratops, this one has ten horns or eleven or eight, depending on which bit of the storyline you uh, count them in. That one little horn that has human eyes and mouth rising up, speaking arrogant and boastful things, a little horn with a big mouth. Now, we didn't read this bit, but Daniel tells us later on in the chapter, I was deeply troubled by my thoughts and my face turned pale. And, well, well, it might. (laughs) But what exactly does it mean? Well, Can I start by saying what it does not mean? These visions have been the happy hunting ground for all sorts of religious cranks who love to draw direct lines between the beasts and specific kingdoms and rulers. So depending on where you stand on political issues and other things, uh, the EU and global warming... Uh, and many other things, I'm sure, have been advanced as exact fulfillments of these beastly visions. But even if the first readers had some clue as to what this vision was originally referring to in their own day, and even if the same sort of visions do come again in Revelation, and they appear to point there to the Roman Empire, I think you have to say still, don't you, that Daniel was himself left puzzled and perplexed 
and for a very good reason. And I wonder if there isn't a deliberate unclarity of reference here, which is not an accident, precisely because the meaning isn't defined exactly. The vision has a timeless applicability. So on Remembrance Day, we could highlight the Nazi atrocities as bestial, or we could fast forward to our own day and the war crimes at Kabul airports or the civil war unfolding in Ethiopia or whatever awful bestial circumstances have led to a thousand people a day in the last week trying to cross the channel in the middle of winter or knife crime on our own streets or abusive behavior in our own homes. See, if we're honest, we're just seeing four different manifestations of the beastliness of all human history in rebellion against God in this chapter. When we turn away from God, I know it's been fashionable to call that humanism, but actually we become less than human when we do that. We become beast-like. And that plays out in the dynasties and dictators, yes, of course, but also in our own little empires as well. The big mouth horn is you and me by nature, talking up ourselves and tearing down everyone else who gets in the way of our self-absorbed arrogance. So in that scenario, other people are significant only insofar as they serve or frustrate my purposes. My spouse or my partner are there to meet my needs. My children, well, they're just there to meet my needs to be a mom or a dad. My colleagues at work are there to give me affirmation and approval for my performance. My conversation, that's a chance to talk about me, my illnesses, my hopes, my fears, my suffering, my achievements, my influence. See, we're like the horn. And that means lots of people in our world end up like the chewed ribs in the mouth of the bear. In a dog-eat-dog world, we hurt others and we ourselves get hurt. So we need a rescuer from the beast out there and the beast inside us all. But listen again what happens when the little horn is shooting its mouth off. Verse 9. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. And as God takes center stage, all the while the little horn is still burbling away as the thrones are set up and the books are opened, and thousands and thousands of armed soldiers take up the position. And then it all ends in verse 12. He's destroyed. And the other beasts lose their authority and power as well. So judgment falls and the beast is destroyed. I know it's common nowadays for people to laugh at the idea of God judging the world. I'm not really meant to believe all that stuff about hellfire and damnation, am I? But have you ever stopped and followed that to its logical conclusion, that line of argument? What if there were no thrones put in place, no courtroom 
no books to be opened. Well, the world left untouched with no judgment to come really would be a hellish place and become more so as evil is left unchecked. So thank God the beast is ultimately destroyed. The judgment of evil is good news. But let's move on to the last two verses of our section because if the beasts are dethroned, the question is this, who will be, who will be enthroned to rule God's world? And my second heading gives us the answer, the enthronement of the man or the human, if you prefer, verses 13 to 14. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will never pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. This new character is more than human. That's obvious because he's coming with the clouds of heaven, the clouds which signify the presence of God. He's more than human, but he is still human, like a son of man. Not a beast, but a figure in whom True humanness is seen. Humanity as we were meant to be. Perhaps you know that at the beginning, in the account of creation, what we were meant to be was God's image. God gave human beings dominion to rule God's world for God. And what's been under discussion this week in Glasgow is a reflection of the fact that we have failed to do that. Hence the mess Our world is in. We were meant to rule God's world in justice and order and peace. And now at last, in the vision, comes a human figure who will do that. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. Real, lasting Dominion. That's a a coronation ceremony, an enthronement. To him was given dominion, the dominion which Adam had misused so tragically with such devastating long-term consequences. At last, God's king, a human being, but so much more than a human being, is seated at the right hand of God wonder who that figure is. Well, do you recall how centuries later there was a prisoner on trial for his life? The judges are questioning him and they ask point blank, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? And he replies, I am. And you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Well, those judges knew their Bibles, and they would have understood exactly what their prisoner was claiming. I am the enthroned Son of Man. By implication, says Jesus, therefore, look out if you're against me. The chief priest 
might just prove to be the chief beast. So that enthronement is where history is heading. And the destination is not in any doubt. It means, of course, wonderfully, that our world is not spinning out of control with no purpose at all. I think that's worth remembering on Remembrance Day. Perhaps it's worth reminding ourselves that in wartime and suffering, we often lose that perspective under the brutish reality of life. We forget that there's a purpose and a destination. You know those British Tommies in World War I that used to sing on the front line to the tune of Old Lang Syne, we're here because we're here because we're here because we're here. Implication being no reason to live, no reason to die for. That was it, the way it seemed to them. No purpose, no destination for human history. Well, I thank God that we have this vision and others in the Bible to open our eyes to reality. The human race has a hope and a purpose because of the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross to deal with human sin, paying the price for it, and who rose again to prove that. And surely the challenge for us is to make quite sure that we don't oppose Jesus Christ in our lives. If he is God's enthroned human king, then I must yield my life to him. We've had in our prayers the collect for this day. We pray there that the nations might be subject to his just and gentle rule. Well, let me put it like this. Nations are made up of individual people. And it's as they, as we, one by one by one, become subject to his just and gentle rule, that a difference is made in our families, in our community, in our country, and even in our world. And a lasting difference, too, because the kingdom he establishes is a lasting kingdom that will never be destroyed. How we need that hope today. So let me ask you today as I close, will you surrender to this king afresh yourself? Let's pray. And we pray indeed, Heavenly Father, that you would govern our hearts and minds and bring us to be subject to the just and gentle rule of your appointed King, the Son of Man, our great Saviour and Lord, Jesus Christ. How we thank you that he is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.